believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And we're at that part of the book of 1 Samuel where David's running for his life. King Saul, his father-in-law, is out to kill him and wants to... Well, Saul's going crazy. The spirit of distress has come upon him. At the same time, God has anointed David to be the future king. And the spirit of God is upon him. And the irony of it is that... As Saul is fading and going crazy, and as David is emerging, being prepared to be the future king, that the the one is being is refining the other one. It really is all things working together for good to those who love God. And God is preparing David. He's through agitation, through trials and tribulations, the fear of his life. He's being refined and made into a man of God to be the king. To whom much is given, much is required. And when we get there to that place of influence and position and power. We need to be prepared for it. We need, it's the journey that prepares us for the destination as life is preparing the believer for the destination of heaven and the things in eternity. It's the same thing in a broader scope. So David is being prepared in the difficult time to be entrusted with great responsibilities to be the leader of God's people. And that's our background. So we just come off where he left the Philistine region where he was acting crazy because he's afraid uh, the Philistine king was going to try and kill him because the Philistine king knew that David was the one who had defeated Goliath and struck down the the ten thousands as the song was sang by the Israelite women. So with that background, we read this in chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, just a couple of verses tonight. David therefore departed from there, that, that gath in the Philistine region, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his family's house heard it, they went down there to him. Remember, they lived in Bethlehem. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became a captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. And of course, those men had their wives and families, and so they're a broader group. And so this cave of Dulam is this story where David's on the run and there are people that identify with him. They want to be with him. And of these 400 men, we'll see in, it happens in Chronicles and 2 Samuel, the list of David's 30 mighty men. Of these 400 men, 30 men emerge as just incredible leaders. And we find that they went from being men that were in distress, in debt and discontented, that within a 10-year period, when the reign of David begins with just the tribe of Judah in the south, and then seven years later, the unified entire Israelite kingdom, that these men are brilliant men. They're mighty men. Of, they're warriors in combat. They're capable administrators. They go from being distressed, 
fearful, anxious, in debt, upside down economically, and uh, depressed and despondent to being uh, that disposition to be negative and everything's wrong. They go from being that to being men of faith to men of economic wisdom and to men that influence a society for greatness, so much so that when David's son Solomon comes to power, the zenith of really Israel is in the reign of Solomon one generation later. These 400 men, from these 400 men, 30 of them became the mighty men, plus their wives and their children, and they changed Israel and they changed human history. It is fascinating that David, who has been anointed to be king, and Jack played that song for us, Psalm 23, which is perfect for tonight. But David wrote, the, you know, that the Lord is my shepherd. He sang that and wrote that psalm. And he had experienced that being a shepherd of his father's sheep. He was the, the man of faith. He defeated the bear, defeated the lion. He was a man of courage. He defeated Goliath. He was a man of under authority, in authority. He submitted to his father-in-law. He only thought, sought good and thought good toward his father-in-law. He certainly was a man of faith. He is a man of character and conviction. He has his flaws. We all know that later on as, as he goes, we go on with the journey of David in 2 Samuel. But he truly was a great man. And he was anointed to be the king, and yet he's fleeing for his life, and he's begging for bread for him and his buddies with the showbread there with the priest uh, Abathar in the previous chapter. It's, it's kind of paradoxical. He's destined for greatness and to reign and rule before all and expand the kingdom of God. But in the present, he's fleeing for his life and he's one step from the grave as we studied just uh, recently and topically on a Saturday. And these two things are running parallel. A destined greatness, but a present tribulation, trials, and refining. And in the midst of that, 400 men and their families gather to him who are in debt, in distress, in debt, and discontented, they gather to him. That's the background to our story. And it says that he became captain over them. So David became the captain of 400 men and their families who were distressed, in debt, discontented. They were anxious and fearful. They were not men of faith. So it probably trickled down to the wives and the kids as well. Everyone's terrified. They had no economic well-being. They didn't bring assets to the movement. You know, when you plant churches, they always say there's two things you need, an evangelist and a tither. They were neither. They were in debt. They brought economic hardship to the cave. They didn't bring supplies that would benefit people. They came needing supplies. They didn't come as givers when they showed up at the cave. They came as takers. That's the truth. And they didn't come with a positive, can-do, optimistic outlook on life. No, they came discontented. They came unhappy, not pleased, not thankful. Discontented, when you, discontented is not a positive word, it's a negative word. She's discontent, he's discontent. That's unhappy, agitated. They're not a good employee, they're not good in a marriage, and they're not good living at home as adults. You got to get them out. If you have adult children at home and they're discontented, hey, there you go. It's not the Holiday Inn, right? We understand these things. But from this gathering, David 
would see 30 men arise and become the mighty men. Greatness was in them, but on the day they showed up at the cave of Abdullam, it did not look good, which reminds us of Jesus and the apostles. When he came down from the mountain all night with the Father, he chose the 12 apostles. There was nothing in any of them that appeared to be greatness, nor their wives or their extended families. They were just, they would seem to have been just average people. One was a zealot that wanted to kill the Romans. One was a tax collector, and they made extra money by ripping people off, Matthew. And then the others were fishermen. They didn't want anyone messing with them. You know how fishermen are. They go on their boat, leave me alone. I'm just fishing. They say a bad day fishing is better than a good day doing anything else. Like, just let it be. And Jesus chose these men, and he said, you're going to be fisher of men, and he changed the world with them. And the gospel record is the record of them being taught lessons, like you don't call down fire from heaven just because the city says no to Jesus. Stuff like that. How are we going to pay the temple tax? It's going to be in the coins, going to be the, fish, the mouth of the fish. You learn that God will provide, he'll take care of it. So they're learning all these lessons in their journey. And then the women that ministered to Jesus, they came along. The women were there at the foot of the cross. The women were there in, at the tomb before anyone else got there on Easter morning. This team was being built. Mary Magdalene, from, who was a harlot, from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons, she becomes a hero. So it's not really what you bring to the cave or what you bring to the foot of the mountain when Jesus chooses apostles. It's where you go from there that matters. It's where you go. It's forward, onward, and upward. It's where you're going. And finally, I would compare this to the Calvary Chapel movement because here we are in 2022 listening to Pastor Chuck teach this text back in the 90s in the 3000 series. He talked about how the news was grievous to him. That he couldn't watch TV news, but yet he still did. That he shouldn't read the newspaper, but he did, and it made him angry. It made him in debt, distressed, and discontent. And that he shouldn't read the news magazines, but he did. And it made him angry and upset him. I go, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? But he talked about over 40 years ago, over 30 years ago, how much he was concerned over the time he lived in and where the planet was going. Now, how much more so almost 10 years since he stepped into eternity in 2022? It's unfathomable what Pastor Chuck could have ever foreseen as the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. What would happen to the Calvary Chapel movement after he stepped into eternity, the split? What would happen to American society, the church in America, the entire planet, all the stuff we've been through? But see, He's not meant to be here in 2022 or to be 61. I am in 2022. And you are who you are, your ages, for such a time as this. And every generation has its challenges. We've been talking about this. But when you look at the Calvary Chapel movement, and I mentioned this Tuesday, when I first was going forward with the Lord, the Harvest book that Calvary, Maranatha, whoever published it, put it out, and it was a story of all the Calvary Chapel pastors, Jeff Johnson, Skip Heisig, Greg Laurie, Mike McIntosh. And I read this book, and it so encouraged me that God could use me. And if you've ever read the book, you know it encouraged you that God could use you. And again, most particularly of all the stories that I related to was Jeff Johnson, high on drugs, running naked through the jungles of Kauai. And I thought, listen, if God can use this guy and... When I went to Downey and saw the church, I was like, all I could think of was, that's the naked guy high on drugs in the jungles of Kauai. Now, that real estate at Downey right now is worth like tens of millions of dollars. 
Royal Reese, he's staying home. He's waiting to kill his family. He's angry. He's an angry man. And he's going to kill his family. And he has a karate studio in West Covina. And now you go to Diamond Bar. And it's 12 acres worth millions and millions of dollars. These men in the Harvest Book were all men at one point. Mike McIntosh has had half, had half a head in his mind. When I read the stories of these men in 1988, I thought, 1987, I thought, wow, I can do this. I just got to be available. And if these guys can do this. And so when Jennifer and I first went out in ministry that first year, we had the movie Sunriders and we went to all these churches. And we became friends with all these guys. And I knew their stories. I, I, I really idolized these guys in a good way. But isn't that like the cave of Abdullam? Pastor Chuck, a tent. Men that were in distress, debt, and discontented. And what happened? The Calvary Chapel movement, the Jesus movement. And now here we are in 2022 with a new generation emerging. Millennials, they're, they're realizing life gets harder when you're 30. And they want to be young again, but that's too late. That's Z now. And now the grandkids are coming. It just keeps going on. But I use this introduction about David in the cave of Abdullam to just show us there's nothing new under the sun, and this is what God does in every generation. He, he draws men and women to himself, whoever they are, wherever they're at, and he meets them where they're at in, in their distress, in their debt, and in their discontentment. And as we become new creations in Christ, he transforms us from glory to glory, and he begins to change all that's wrong and infusing us all that's right. And he begins to make us the woman we're always meant to be and the man we're always meant to be in the realm of the spirit. And he does so with trials and tribulations like David and his mighty men going through it together, like Jesus and the apostles and what they went through together and the early church in the book of Acts and church history and what the Calvary Chapel movement went through and what what it went through together. We live and life happens. And God's in the business of drawing people to himself who our captain is Jesus. Their captain was David. David was the captain of those in distress, in debt, and discontented. And Jesus most certainly is the captain of our faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith here in the church. And that's the beauty of the gospel. He meets us where we're at. We can bring all of our credit card debt, all of our spiritual debt, all of our bad attitudes, all of our ugliness, our craziness in the jungles of Kauai. We can bring it to Jesus At the foot of the throne on the sapphire road, as Sam taught this morning, the men there in Exodus, the sapphire pavement. And he meets us here and he just takes us forward. So worship generation. So worship generation, body of Christ tonight, when we talk about being in distress, being discontented and being in debt, I want you to keep in the back of your mind on these three topics that everything with the Lord is not about yesterday, but about today. And our mindset for today to go forward in faith, looking unto Jesus, forgetting what behind us, but on what lies ahead. And as someone told me a couple of years ago, start thinking more and get your hustle on. Start thinking more, get smarter, and get your hustle on. And I heeded that, and I've been blessed for it. In my personal walk with the Lord, in my family, in my calling, and in my personal finances. So tonight I'm going to talk to you on these three topics for such a time as this, as they relate to us in this church family. 
keeping in mind that Jesus is the captain of us tonight. And he's going to make mighty women and mighty men of us from the youngest to the oldest in this place tonight. They were in distress. They were in distress. Now, to me, distress is emotional. Distress is anxiety. It's fear. It's unsettled. Distress, you're anxious. She's in distress. When you come in a situation as a law enforcement, they're in distress. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a situation. A medical situation, they're in distress. In a ministry situation, there's distress. People are overwhelmed. They're anxious. Things are going on, and they're in distress. It's emotional. And because it's emotional, it's really the inner woman, the inner man. It's kind of who we are. You might say it's our spirit. When someone's grieved or quenched in their spirit, they're, they're in distress, emotional. It's, it's kind of your inner woman, your inner man. Now, debt is interesting because debt, although it's economic, and, and by the way, when a lot of people teach this passage, they teach it like our spiritual debt with the Lord. You know, that's how I've heard it taught many times. But make no mistake, contextually, it's, it's economic debt. I mean, the context here is not spiritual debt. It's economic debt. It's being upside down financially. That's the context. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. But it's economic. But if you think about it, the things of economy affect us physically. Because we all need health care. That's physical. You need money for your health care. That's, that's your, when you're planning retirement, you've got to figure out your health care. That's a big one. Anyone over 55 that's thought ahead thinks about that one. Because even you get the Social Security, the health care is a big issue. So it's physical. The economics determine can you f- eat food? Do you have shelter? Do you have clothes? Do you have the shoes you want, the nice shoes you want? Economic is primarily physical because it is temporal. Now, economics are teaching us things about eternity, but they really affect us physically. You can have nicer clothes, oh, a nicer house, a nicer car based upon economics. You can have a uh, a better retirement plan based upon economics. But you can still get sick. You can see a better doctor based upon economics. If you are having surgery and someone sends you money you didn't count on and they say, thank you because I'm having surgery tomorrow and I didn't have enough money, which just happened to us this week in missions, our economics from this church help their economics for a physical need. By the way, when we bless missionaries and people like that, we tell them, look, personal ministry, savings, whatever. Because when you're in the mission field, you're all in. There's no distinction. You pay yourself last in the mission field. So like in the ministry, you pay yourself last. So we don't say like, hey, this is for Bibles for the poor people on the other side of town, which is fine. If they want to do that, they can. We send you money. We send you thousands. It's your call. So if you're having surgery to deal with pigmentation from a a birthmark on your face or other physical things, then that's your choice. And sometimes I'll be like, are you sure? I'm like, it's your call. It's the Lord's money. He gave it to us. We're giving it to you. You're serving the Lord. You're 25 years into this, so we know what it's like to be high and low. But it's the debt deals with money, which deals with the physical. It truly does. Then the third one is discontent, which deals with attitude, which really deals with your mind, how you frame it. If you're discontent, your mind's in the wrong space. You're, you're in a place of unbelief. If you're discontent, you're not thankful for what God has given you. 
It's a negative discontent here, by the way. Not like, you know, like, godliness with contentment is great gain. So discontentment would be like to be unhappy. And some people are never happy. Like some of you that have employees, you know certain employees, no matter how much you give them, it's never enough. I've been through this. And, you, you, you know, if you're the boss, you, 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 when you give people money, 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 and this thing and that thing and that thing, and then they're still complaining, it's like, you know what, it's time for you to find another job. And those who have many employees, you know exactly what I'm talking about. No matter how much you give them, they're never going to be content. And generally speaking, it's because they don't know how to manage their money in the first place, so you've got to compensate for their ineptitude in, in taking care of their resources. So they're taking, 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 and you're just giving, giving, giving. There just comes a point that that's not efficient in the business world, and you got to let them go. But the discontentment is the mind. So let me just connect these. I'm not married to these things, but I'll help you frame it. Distress is your spirit, anxiety. Debt is your physical, because money deals with all the physical things of life. And discontent is your mind. So spirit, mind, and body. Again, it's, it, I'm not forcing it. You don't have to be married to this, but this is how I'm framing these three things. Because these three things are what these 400 men, their wives and their children, brought to the cave at Adullam. And it was with these three real contextual historical things in the time they lived in that God met them with their mighty man of God, David, the man with the heart after God, the man who had the courage to take on Goliath, the man who lied about the showbread and everything else, but understood the heart of God. These men and their wives were molded and shaped, and they changed the world, and they ran large sums of money, large sums of resources, with great power in the next 30, 40 years. So there's a lot to be learned from these men. So those that were in distress, it's distress is real. Distress is real. Anxiety is real. And by the way, it's very real before the Lord comes back. We know that. The Gospel of Mark tells us that men are going to freak out down the stretch. And Luke put it this way that men's hearts fail in them for anxiety over the things that are to come. Nations against nations, in distress of nations, and men's hearts fail in them for the perplexities and the things coming upon them. That's what Jesus taught the human race would look like on planet Earth before he comes back, along with many other things. But an increase in anxiety, emotional anxiety, is a mark of the last days. But really, it's a mark sometimes of just being a human being. We know that. Unless we think somehow they're super Christians that never have anxiety or fear. Forget that. Because in 2 Corinthians, Paul said that when they were doing their ministry, they were perplexed beyond measure and they despaired beyond life. So super apostle Paul said, we were perplexed beyond measure and despaired even of our lives. Now that's a dark place, wouldn't you agree? And that's just in serving the Lord. But it's also Paul who said, I've learned to be content, I've learned to abase and abound, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So being tempted with anxiety, having to deal with anxiety, having to work through fear and these sorts of things, having, losing a good night's sleep because you're anxious about this business deal or about what your job's going to do or you know, the forced vaccine or whatever it could be that we've all faced. The, the forced closure of small businesses, it would seem at times... Uh, political agendas to shut down small businesses and put them out of business, whatever the state or federal. Like, we've all had our buttons pushed for two years like no other time. And just when we cleared all the other stuff, now we've got inflation, 
The CPI is 8.3. That's massive, and that's what the government's telling us. You go buy eggs and milk, we know it's more than 8.3% inflation. We're going into recession or already in recession. We've got the stock market down 20%. A lot of people thinking it's only halfway going to where it's going. Cryptocurrency got clobbered this week like there's no tomorrow. In fact, I watched something interesting the other day that said, you know, there was a tech bubble of 2001, all the dot-commers, they had great ideas but they never produced anything. So that was a bubble and it burst and a lot of people lost a lot of money. Then there was the housing bubble of 2007, all the bad loans, which do not exist right now. And then 08 was the banking bubble with Lehman Brothers. You know what they're calling our bubble right now? The everything bubble. It's the everything bubble. And some of you watch this stuff every day. I'm looking at people I know in this room that watch this stuff. I watch this stuff every day. I check all kinds of things, energy stocks. I, I check real estate nationwide, global real estate. I check stocks, bonds, T-bills, all this stuff, crypto. And I'm telling you, any pattern for economic stability is out the window right now. And things that usually go teeter-totter, they're all going the same way. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.